You know I'm a big fan of enjoying life while still being smart financially. That's why I love ButcherBox. I can get a variety of high-quality meat, seafood, chicken, and pork at an amazing value, all with exclusive member deals delivered to my door with free shipping always. One thing I just never wanted to cut out of my spending plan is eating good food. And with ButcherBox, I don't have to, and neither do you. Where else can you get free protein for a whole year? Yes, you heard that right. One of my favorite go-to dinners is a salmon bowl. I'm not even a huge salmon lover, but ButcherBox's wild-caught salmon is oh so good. I make a nice little marinade, saute some veggies, cook the salmon, and throw in some weiss. And it is an amazing dinner. If you want to take less trips to the grocery store and always have prepared meat in the freezer for a lot less money, you need ButcherBox in your life. Sign up at butcherbox.com etm and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com etm. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied, or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web, and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. <laughs> I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash E-T-M. Go to joindeleteme.com slash E-T-M and use code E-T-M for 20% off. Student loans can suck the life out of you. I mean, you were just trying to get an education to get ahead. Today's podcast guest, David Carlson's, got a student loan solution to kick your debt to the curb. Millennial Money with Shauna Compton Gaines. It will expand your brain. Over 44 million people are facing student loan debt. That's nearly $1.5 trillion in debt. 
just to go to school and get an education to better your future. Then you graduate and you've got to pay it off and balance literally everything else in life. Do you sometimes feel like you're on the verge of breaking from all the stress? You may have heard about our guest today, David Carlson. He's the founder of Young Adult Money, and he's been helping readers make more, save more, and live better since 2012. And in March, David's book, Student Loan Solution, Five Steps to Take Control of Your Student Loans and Financial Life, is going to hit the shelves, and this one's going to be a good one. Paying off student loan debt, it just feels like a mystery. So I wanted to ask David some questions about how you can pay off your student loan debt smartly and finally just be able to take a little bit of a breath. So I wanted to start off with a little bit of a bang, and I wanted to ask you a big question, kind of a loaded question, but what do you think is the biggest misconception about student loans that people have? Mm, The biggest misconception. I don't know if there's really one big misconception out there other than uh, people just not having good background on their options. Uh, Most people that I talk to, they tend to not have an understanding of income-driven repayment, um, how default works, uh, you know, just in general, their options with their loans and what they should do and how they should best go about Uh, managing their loans. Sure. So they have student loans, but like most things when it comes to finance, they just don't know all the options available to them or or what they should even do with those student loans. Yes, exactly. So um, like with income-driven repayment, even me being a personal finance blogger, I hadn't really dug into it until about a year ago and really understood it and realized that you kind of have to Um, hear it maybe a few times, read through it a few times just to understand the basics of it. So I think a lot of people, they might go through exit counseling since that's required by lenders when borrowers leave school. But that exit counseling is quick and doesn't really leave borrowers with a good understanding of their options. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. (laughs) So I'd love to know, where did your love for helping others battle against their student loan debt, where did that come from? Yeah, I think my personal story, my wife and I graduated our undergrad with about $100,000 combined. Um, which is becoming more and more the norm. So there's two of us. So, you know, you can do the math about 50K each um, just to make it simple. But yeah, having that debt and having it equates about $1,000 in minimum monthly student loan payments is a lot for really anybody just starting out their career. And with my wife, she went into counseling. So we knew when she was an undergrad that she would eventually have to get that master's in counseling. So I think a lot of people, especially in her situation, they finish school, they graduate with a bunch of debt, and then they realize, oh, shoot, I still need to go to graduate school. How am I possibly going to uh, ever pay back all these loans? So that's kind of where our story started and where I started to become interested in it. And really around that time is when I started my personal finance blog, Young Adult Money, and really just did everything I could to educate myself on personal finances and help others. Um, And really, it's always come back to student loans. That's what kind of started everything for me. And do you feel like it's just 
that there there aren't enough resources out there for students. Uh, you know, I know a lot of listeners tell me all the time that they might call their loan servicing company, but they still don't feel like they're actually getting the entire story or all the information. And of course, they don't even know what questions necessarily they should be asking. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I think that it's just overwhelming for people. Um, first of all, just dealing with your debt. I know, I think you had student debt as well. Just having that kind of hang over your head is overwhelming. So it's tough to confront in the first place, but then to really set aside the time to uh, figure out what you need to do and what your options are uh, isn't easy. So as far as calling your servicer, one difficult thing about that is that these are typically, you know, for-profit companies servicing these loans. And at the end of the day, they're trying to make a profit. And the more calls they take and the more time they spend on those calls uh, is operating expense for them. So there's not always an incentive to spend a ton of time with each person that calls in. And recently in the news, um, and this is kind of like a Hot issue right now. Navient, one of the student loan servicers, um, was found in an investigation by the Department of Education to have not necessarily given borrowers in about one out of ten of the calls that they analyzed all of their options. So, from my pers- yeah, from my perspective, I think calling your servicer can't hurt. I guess maybe it can hurt, but. Um, I think of that as kind of your first step is talk to your servicer and then seek out your own information because there's just too many examples of people who, um, you know, for loan forgiveness, for example, they went into the the wrong plan and the servicer didn't necessarily correct them and they might have even given them misleading information. So you basically... At the end of the day, of course, with everything, but you have to be your own advocate. You have to learn about this and you have to be able to come into your student loans from some place of knowledge, right? Yeah, exactly. So what I'm all about is people educate themselves so that they understand what they're choosing. I think one-on-one financial planning, um, you know, a meeting with experts can be helpful, but at the end of the day... I think it's, I don't want to say it's simple, but I think the content is simple enough that if you spend enough time looking at it, you can feel comfortable with the options that you're choosing. Um, It's not easy. It's not something that you understand necessarily in a half hour, an hour. But if you read up on, you know, income driven repayment or loan forgiveness opportunities and just keep educating yourself, I think that's necessary to um, feel good about the choice that you're making. For sure. And, you know, I don't know what the current stats are, but I think we're sitting at somewhere around 45 million people in in student loan debt. I think it's around $1.5 trillion in the U.S., something around those numbers. And Mm -hmm. those just keep growing. I'd love to hear from your point of view, because you've done a lot of research on student loans, you know, what do you think is is to blame or is the reason why college and ultimately large student loan debt is is happening? Are you are you seeing anything out there that is is potentially changing that? Yeah, I mean it's a complicated issue because people have differing viewpoints on what's causing the issue as well as what the solution is. 
So in the recent election, some of the progressives who got elected, their stance is we need free college. We need to forgive all the outstanding student loan debt. I believe I even read one plan where it wasn't just federal debt that they wanted to forgive. They wanted to buy back any private student loan debt and get rid of that as well. Wow. So that's a bit of a, I don't want to say extreme, but it is on the extreme as far as the political spectrum. Um, but that doesn't necessarily fix it long term. It's good to throw that idea out there, but how do you actually, what does it actually look like? I don't think that's very well defined. So I think at this point, some of those more progressive ideas are just um, more so in the, I guess, in the phase where they're throwing them out there and seeing what happens. Um, then on the other end of the spectrum, which doesn't really get much airtime today because it's also extreme and I don't think any politicians want to say this necessarily, but there are some conservatives who would say we need to abolish the Department of Education. We shouldn't be in the business of student loan lending, et cetera. So there's kind of these two ends of the spectrum, one that wants free college, one that wants the government out of it. But really what's driving it, in my opinion, and I'm not saying I have a solution for this, but the fact is that pretty much anybody can get access to student loans. So when colleges are setting their tuition rates, um, setting their budgets and whatnot, they're factoring in that uh, those students are able to get a certain level of relief in the form of student loans. They're going to be able to afford to attend the university. And I don't know a lot about budgets at universities, but I'm sure there's just constant pressures on you know, a never-ending list of priorities or things you could do, things that are aspirational. So there's not much focus on actually cutting the costs of college. Yeah, I actually teach at a university here in Los Angeles, and uh, I say I have the, the best job as a professor. I kind of come in, teach, and leave, and I'm not involved necessarily in the politics. But even just doing that the last, wow, now it's been six and a half years, I really see how... And and this is not a fair assessment of every college, of course, but there's a lot of politics in the university system. Uh, there's a lot of really interesting checks and balances that can get things hung up. And of course, you know, how they're spending their money, there's always a question of whether that is more efficient. So at the end of the day, the students are like, wait, I'm having to pay even more and more money. Like this just doesn't even make sense. So it's it's really interesting being as as much and as little involved as I am and sort of seeing, okay, if this is just a microcosm, what's really happening with with the universities? Yeah, exactly. And again, I haven't I haven't gone super deep into the policy issues there. Um, just because I've been looking more at, you know, the personal perspective of fixing it from an individual approach. But I do think with colleges and some may agree or disagree, but I think that a college degree is becoming more of a commodity where going to a specific college isn't necessarily exponentially better than any other college. So I think that some of the colleges are just competing on other things. Like we have better facilities, we have better, you know, athletic complex, et cetera. So if, if you ever visit the Minneapolis St. Paul area, there's a number of private colleges in the area, two of which my wife and I attended. And some of this is donor driven. So there's some costs that are, you know, paid for by big donors, but 
they all are building, you know, new student unions, new athletic complexes, new this, new that. So there's really this uh, battle to show that your college has more than, you know, the next school. For sure. Yeah. And Student loans was definitely a topic I wanted to talk about in the new year because I know so many of the listeners have a lot of fear, stress, anxiety, maybe even depression around student loans, just staring at this balance and it just seemingly not going anywhere. What would you say to the listeners who are in that position? What is an action plan or a few steps maybe they can take this year to try and put a serious dent in that debt? Yeah. So I always start with, you know, the very first step. Do you know all the loans that you have, which might sound silly to some people, but I definitely, um, I know the feeling of kind of avoiding your debt and not even checking it that often because <laughs> my wife and I, we did start on the standard 10 year repayment plan and we made the payments, but we definitely didn't look at our loans that often, maybe once a year, but just making sure that you understand what loans you have, how much of it's private versus federal, what type of federal loans. It might not mean much to you right away, but just getting that all in one place and being able to see it is important. And if your loans are in deferment or forbearance, I definitely would say look at it ASAP just to see uh, the details of your loans because you might have accrued interest. Well, if you're in forbearance, you definitely have accrued interest. So looking at that and just getting yourself grounded is step one, which um, isn't easy for everyone to do because they might know that they have a lot of debt and they just don't want to deal with it. So getting that all listed out is important. Number two, I'd say look at your repayment options. I know that it can be overwhelming, but number one, look at income-driven repayment. Are your loans eligible for it? If they are, um, what sort of payment would you have on the different plans? Um, and just taking those two steps of listing out all your loans and then looking into the repayment plans is really practical and something that everyone can do. Yeah. And you talk about the the not wanting to look at the debt, which I think is a, is a human emotion. Many of us don't want to look at our finances or look at the situation you're in. But do you also see any negative mindsets that people have that really hold them back from facing their student loan debt? Definitely. I think for some people who have stopped making payments on their debt, which is quite a few people, I believe we're at like 7 million who are in default, uh, a quarter million who default every quarter. So those people who are falling behind on their loans, they might think I'm never going to pay this back. So I'm just not going to make any more payments. Um, and unfortunately with student loan debt, it's nearly impossible to discharge in bankruptcy. So I know it's tough to get motivated to do it, but getting out of default and if you're not in default yet, getting your loans current by working with your servicer is key to just starting on the right path, but it can be difficult. Um, just seeing this huge number. Again, looking at income-driven repayment is a good first step. I think that just knowing you could potentially make a smaller payment that's a more reasonable portion of your income is good. And once you're doing that, there's more you can do to improve your finances and kind of go from there. Yeah, that's great advice. Okay. And I'm going to ask the million dollar question that I think everybody wants to know. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? 
Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals. So you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks and they even allow customers to submit suggestions vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash ETM for your extended 30-day free trial. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited, and it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince, and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy, workout-friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash etm. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? 
I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Imagine unlocking a version of yourself that's unstoppable, where mental barriers no longer hold you back. Listen to Mentally Stronger with me, Amy Morin, therapist and international bestselling author, here to guide you on a journey to reaching your greatest potential. Every Monday, I bring you into conversations with some of the most fascinating minds, experts, authors, entrepreneurs, athletes, and musicians. They don't just share stories. They reveal the mental strategies that propelled them to the top. But here's the real magic. At the end of each episode, I break down their wisdom into practical therapist-approved advice. In my solo episodes, I dive deep into the techniques that build mental strength. It's like having your own personal therapy session as you discover how to turn these insights into steps you can take right now. This podcast isn't just for those facing mental health challenges. It's for anyone who wants to push their limits, achieve peak performance, and truly thrive. Are you ready to unlock your full potential? Then it's time to become mentally stronger. Subscribe to Mentally Stronger with therapist Amy Morin, available wherever you love to listen to podcasts. We'll get back to the million-dollar question about student loans with David after an Ask Shauna, and this one comes from Molly, and she says, Hi, Shauna. First, signed up for the money challenge, and I'm just putting it out there that if you read my question, I really want to pay off the last $10,000 of student loan debt I have on three separate loans. I feel like I've had this goal forever now, and so I'm thinking I should probably change up how I'm managing my money. I have to admit that I don't track my spending like I know I should. I know vaguely what I spend my money on other than bills, but I guess I just need to crack down. I know you'll probably address this in the challenge, so forgive me if I'm jumping ahead, but can you tell me a simple way for me to track my spending? I have apps on my phone, but let's be honest, I don't really open them up unless I want to make sure I've got enough cash for a shopping day or some other splurge. Ugh, I know. But I imagine that someone else listening might have the same question or deal with their money in the same way I do. I'm in my 30s, and I think it's really time I get my shit together. Sorry for the French. Thanks again for everything. I love all the episodes. So Molly, yo, yes, we've all been there. First off, I just want to put that out there. This is a great question because I think everybody has probably experienced this. And it sounds really simple, right? Just track your spending. But how, when, what, how do I do this thing? There are too many questions. And then you just kind of get lost in the questions and you don't track your money. I know this because I've done this myself, and I've witnessed hundreds of other people that I've worked with have the exact same frame of thinking. So yes, of course, we're going to talk about it in the challenge. Again, if you haven't signed up for the Money Game Plan Challenge, why not? It's free. And if you've got a goal, let's just achieve it together. You can sign up in the show notes or quick plug, just go to bit.ly slash mmoneygp. That's bit.ly slash mmoneygp. Okay, let's get back to it, but let's keep it simple here. Technology can be really great, and there are so many different apps out there that can really help you with your finances, but 
they can also just make you feel really overwhelmed with all the choices. Like now there are a million budgeting and saving apps. So what ones do you choose? How do you know what is the right app? You have sometimes like 10 different ones on your phone and you're not opening any of them. So I just think this is the time to go back to simple. So here's a quick little strategy that I I tell people this all the time, and maybe this will help you. Go get a notebook or lose pieces of paper. I don't care what, but a notebook is pretty, pretty good. Or you can use the notes section in your phone. So start today. Just track where you're spending your money other than your bills. So I want you to write down the date, the amount you spent, the store that you bought it at, and the category. So is it health? Is it working out? Is it groceries? Is it Uber? What is it? I want you to write down the category. I want you to do that for one week. Then add up what you've spent in each category and just note that so you can visually see, okay, here's what I spent in all of these different categories. So that means every expense that you spent your money on needs to go in some sort of category. Then I want you to just rinse and repeat this for three more weeks and give yourself a reward at the end of four weeks if you keep up with this because this is, it's not hard, but this is mentally hard for a lot of people. So if you stick with it, give yourself a little reward. At the end of four weeks, I want you to pretend like you're a detective. I want you to put on your detective hat, if detectives have a hat. I don't know. I'm just making that up. (laughs) So I want you to think about what trends did you spot? What are you spending more money on than you actually thought? Is there a way you can spend your money better? If so, how much would you be able to save? I want you to set that number then as your new goal and circle it. So if you go through this process, you play detective and you're like, you know what? I think I could end up saving if I did things just a little bit better, like $25 last week. Okay, great. $25 and circle it. Then I want you to go back and do the same thing for one more month. And I want you to see, did you hit that goal? If yes, I want you to drive that savings, take that 25 bucks each week or whatever it is for you and put it on your student loan, pay off your student loan. Don't leave it sitting in your bank account because if it's sitting in your bank account, you're going to spend the money, right? You have to direct it. You have to be in control, give it a direction, and that's how you're going to get this stuff paid off fast. So Keep playing detective and just make it fun without driving yourself nuts. Remember, if we're going to start doing change, if we're going to have these shifts, we mentally have to ahead of time tell ourselves, I got this. This is easy. This is not hard. Yes, I have to put in a little sweat equity, but this is going to be I'm going to be able to pay this off and I'm going to be able to do this, right? So you're still going to be chipping at it. It's not like you're going to suddenly find $5,000 in your bank account, but every little chip gets you closer and closer and closer. And every time you can think to yourself, I'm doing it, I'm doing it, I'm doing it, I'm doing it, you're going to get it done. So there's a lot more we're going to cover in the challenge, but this is just going to get you pointed in the right direction. So Keep yourself motivated. This, again, is how you're going to find and really make awesome changes. I know you can do it, Molly. I'm in your corner, and I'll be rooting for you in the challenge. How can people get their student loans forgiven? I know it's not as simple as it sounds, but are there some rules or some guidelines that that you must know about? Definitely. So uh, there's one approach that, pretty much everyone with federal loans is eligible for. And that's making payments on an income-driven repayment plan for certain 
number of years. It's not necessarily the most attractive thing to hear, but it ranges from 20 to 25 years. So if you make payments on time for 20 to 25 years on the specific income-driven repayment plans, you can have your loans forgiven. There is a tax bill at the end of it though, because whatever is forgiven will be viewed as taxable income. So you do need to save for that. Uh, again, this is for anyone. There's also a more accelerated version called public service loan forgiveness, where as long as you make 120 eligible payments on eligible loans with um, qualifying employment, so whether it's government or 501c3 nonprofit, you can have your loans forgiven tax-free after you made that 120th payment. So it sounds like there are rules and regulations. And I know from what I've read that you have to follow them to a T. You know, you have to be on the right plan. You have to be making all of these qualified payments. You have to do all of these things in order to just qualify for the forgiveness. How difficult I, I or how easy I should say is it for people to get off track in there somewhere and think that they're they're doing all of these requirements when in fact maybe they've missed a step yeah I mean it's pretty easy to get derailed number one let's say you refinance through a private lender you might not have known that that makes you ineligible for any of the forgiveness programs and that you're actually creating a whole new loan with a private entity. So there's that. There's loan consolidation where maybe you were already, without knowing it, three to four to five years down the road of public service loan forgiveness, and then you consolidate your loans. Well, that also created a new loan. You're still eligible for forgiveness, but you need to make the 120 payments on the new consolidated loan. So it's pretty easy to get derailed. And looking at the non-public service loan forgiveness, so just people who are on income driven for 20 to 25 years, if you don't recertify every single year, you can potentially be put back on the standard 10 year repayment plan. And when that happens, your clock resets. So even if you were five years, yeah, <laughs> even if you were five years down the path and you forgot to recertify one year, um, you get put back on the standard 10 year repayment plan all the interest that was accrued, if it was accruing, gets put back on your principal and you're kind of at square one. So it's very unforgiving process. Um, yeah, it's there is a path to it, but it's definitely something that you have to be on top of. And of course, those that are the income-driven plans, the 20, 25 years out, we haven't even seen people roll through that, right, yet? Yeah, because they haven't been around long enough for someone to actually get that. With public service loan forgiveness, we just now have seen people get their loans forgiven. And there's some issues with that now where people thought they were on the right plan or they claim that their servicer had said, yeah, you're on the right plan, um, who did get rejected. But um, there are at least people who have had their loans forgiven through public service loan forgiveness now? Oh, that's good to know. <laughs> You're all, you know, I'm always, uh, I'm, I'm always skeptical is probably the best word of, of whether 
it's going to happen or not happen, whether the government's going to pull the rule at some point in time, and then something you thought was going to happen is not going to happen. So um, it's certainly interesting to get your perspective. And I know you've been working really hard on a new book that's coming out this spring, The Student Loan Solution. And we're going to have you back on the podcast closer to the launch, uh, hopefully to answer some listeners' questions. Can you give us maybe just a little sneak peek? What's to come in that book? Yeah, definitely. So it's called Student Loan Solution, Five Steps to Take Control of Your Student Loans and Financial Life. And really the inspiration for this was to take all of that student loan um, background information, I'll call it, put into a format that actually is something that's easy to follow, uh, something that a borrower can go through and see, yep, that makes sense to me this is relevant to me, this isn't. Um, But then take it a step further. So looking at your current financial situation and seeing how that fits into your repayment strategy. And then once you're executing on your repayment strategy, what are the things you can do, you know, over the next few years and beyond that to improve your finances? And I also put a few things in the book, like money mindset, as we talked about at the beginning of this podcast, Student loans can really weigh on people. Um, It can kind of create a negative outlook on life. And I put a few things in the book to actually address that. So student loans and your mental health, relationships, what to do if you're stuck in a career that you hate, but you feel like you can't leave because of student loan debt. So covering some of those topics that are super relevant to people who have student loan debt. Yeah, I mean, I've gotten a little sneak peek of the book. So I can I can testify that it is is amazing book, just like packed full of every bit of information you would want to know. Is there anything going along in the process? Did you learn a lot yourself about student loans, like things that, that surprised even you? Yeah, I'd say I learned quite a bit. Um, I mean, even now with my wife finishing grad school, she's now pursuing public service loan forgiveness because she works at a nonprofit. So um, just learning more about that and seeing how that could fit into our situation. Uh, And as anyone can probably attest who's gone down the road of trying to understand everything, there's just a lot of information there. Some of it's relevant to people, some of it isn't, but I had to understand it all to fit into the book. So yeah, I learned a lot about the plans, about um, how loan forgiveness works and how realistic it is. And yeah, I mean, there's a lot there to learn about and understand. So <laughs> yes, you now have your master's degree in student loans. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this, is, this has been amazing. I mean, there's so many questions and intrigue about student loans. So I, I, I want to make sure we get that all covered in the podcast episode coming out closer to your launch. But if you could leave the listeners with maybe just one tip uh, to to tackle their student loans this year, what would it be? I'd have to go back to learning more about repayment plans, um, making sure that you're on the right repayment plan. Even over this past weekend, I talked to somebody who's on a graduated plan who may be eligible for public service loan forgiveness, recommended to her to move to one of the income-driven repayment plans so that She's actually on a plan that's eligible for that. So again, it's just take those steps to understand uh, the repayment plans and 
for sure understand the one that you're on and whether or not it makes sense for you. Yeah, I think that is that is great advice. Well, David, tell the listeners, where can they find you? Where can they find more information about all of your different projects? Sure. Yeah. If you go to Amazon, you can search Student Loan Solution and you can see my book on there. It's available. Uh, depending when you're listening to this, it's available for pre-order. Uh, youngadultmoney.com is my personal finance blog focused on those in their 20s and 30s. And then if you want to connect with me directly, uh, Twitter is probably the best way to do that at David Carlson one. Hey, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Remember to subscribe to the podcast. It's absolutely free and you'll make sure you never miss an episode of Millennial Money. You can also listen to all our episodes on Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, and Pandora. We've all spent more time with family lately. It can feel like old times, but your mind is on the future too, and what you can do to shape it. At Sandy Spring Bank, we work with clients to help them grow and protect their money with wealth management, trust services, and insurance so they can enjoy today and ultimately pass along their wealth. We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about your dreams. Visit sandyspringbank.com wealth. Wealth and insurance products are not FDIC insured, not guaranteed, and may lose value.